This episode of The Explainer is sponsored by Daft Advantage Ads. Looking to sell your property for the best price? Daft Advantage Ads will maximise your chances. Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, standing in for Laura Byrne, and this week, why is extreme morning sickness drug caravan still difficult to access? After last year's budget, Health Minister Stephen Donnelly told our political correspondent here at the Journal, Christina Finn, that it was largely down to her journalism and similar work of others that he was aware of the plight of pregnant people with hyperemesis gravidarum. Many people had heard that term for the first time ever when Kate Middleton was diagnosed with it in 2014. At the time, she was hospitalised and the British royal family had to rush the pregnancy announcement out. For most women, the illness is just as dramatic especially as the current treatment, the drug called Caravan, is really, really expensive. Back in September, Donnelly announced changes to the way it would be reimbursed to help with that, but not everything has been straightforward since. To explain more about the drug, its cost, what is currently happening and what is planned, I'm joined by that political correspondent, Christina Finn. Hi Christina, and thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit more about hyperemesis? What are the symptoms and do we know what causes it? One in every 100 to 200 women actually suffer from hyperemesis. Most people will probably have heard of this, as you said, through Kate Middleton was the first sort of high profile person to have it. But since then, the campaign to have the, the reimbursement costs of that have, have already been ramping up. So what is it exactly? It's severe vomiting. And uh, I know the campaigners take real issue with it being called a morning uh, sickness uh, that pregnant women have. It's, it's something that women experience, I think, throughout the day when they're pregnant. And it's really, really debilitating for the women that suffer from it. Um, so it's not just, you know, getting sick once or twice in the day. It is constant vomiting. I've spoken to a number of women um, who have listed some of the symptoms. You know, you're talking about, perhaps to be quite graphic here, getting a, sick with bile, you know, having issues with your teeth after pregnancy because of um, the acid reflux and, and all that that brings, severe headaches. Um, I've heard of, of women not being able to have a shower because just the feeling of water on them makes them want to get sick. So you're talking about something that is really debilitating in terms of people caring for their perhaps children that they already have. Being able to go to work, a huge, massive issue for women that suffer from this. Um, so the the causes I think for it, it's it's largely down to the hormonal changes that women experience during pregnancy and um, a vitamin um, B deficiency that um, some women experience. So yeah, it's it's not as common maybe as as you know maybe some people might not know anyone who's experienced it. And um, I suppose it first became on my radar when of one one of my close friends had it. You know, it, it, it does only affect a small amount of people, but for those women that do experience it, it is a huge, huge issue. And again, as I mentioned, the costs for the, the, the drug that actually helps women with this is has been extortionate over the years. And this is, I think, where the campaign largely kicked off with. Like you said, a lot of the time people haven't heard of this, except for the high profile case of Kate Middleton, and then until friends or family members experience it. So has it been as prevalent that now as it was in previous decades and we're just talking more about it? Yeah, like I, I think it, it really has been there all along. And perhaps um, like the, the campaigners, Hyperemesis Ireland, it's a group that's been representing women who suffered from this um, and they've been leading really on the campaign to get the, the cost reimbursed. 
um, you know, they took issue, I think, with it being called uh, a morning sickness, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that that downplays, I suppose, the severity of it. And perhaps over the years, women that have had it have been somewhat fobbed off, perhaps, in terms of the severity of it and the implications that it has on someone's life. You know, there's been a lot of women, I think, speaking out about it since um, there's been a lot more coverage and spotlight on it, saying, you know, that this was like hugely impactful on on the mental health of people that have gone through it, the impacts that it's had on someone's marriage. Um, you know, I've spoken to women that felt that they couldn't be a mother to their other child, other children at the time because they were just so ill and that the the husband or the partner really had to become the primary caregiver for for those nine months so i i think it is something it's been there um for a long time but as has been the case with many other women's health issues um you know it it really just feels that a lot of attention is being given to it now and, and probably should have been for many many years before this This episode of The Explainer is sponsored by Daft Advantage Ads. Looking to sell your property for the best price? Daft Advantage Ads will maximise your chances. You've given a good few examples there of how debilitating it is for women, but it also leads to hospitalisations, right? Yeah, so um, last week, actually, there was a briefing in Leinster House, which is organised by Jennifer Whitmore of the Social Democrats. And one of the attendees there was the consultant obstetrician at the National Maternity Hospital. Um, She's also an assistant professor at UCD, Professor Dr. Mary Higgins. And she was speaking a lot about the women that would be presenting into the hospital. Uh, You know, you know, there'd be women basically turning up in emergency departments um, who are just so ill, you know, that they, this is really the only place they, they felt they would be able to go so you're talking about obviously like one of the side effects of this which I think a lot of women would find quite unbelievable is weight loss during pregnancy mainly because they're not eating um, or they're not able to keep anything down um, or you know dehydration so this is why women would be presenting to uh, to hospital to get IV drips being fed through a tube as well is quite common for women um, that go through this so she was sort of saying um, as well that it's quite uh, a, a dangerous thing as well for uh, she would deal with a lot with the diabetes clinic in the National Maternity Hospital. Those women have to be on particular uh, medication and oftentimes women that also have hyperemesis, they obviously can't keep down their medication. So these are some of the instances I think that people would be presenting into hospital with. I think a lot of people listening, maybe if they haven't had a friend or family member who've had hyperemesis, will be kind of shocked by some of this, Christina. But Caravan, the drug to treat this, does exist. When exactly was this discovered or how long has Caravan been in existence? Caravan has been around for uh, quite a a very many years. Um, uh, One of the consultants that I was speaking to recently went through exactly, you know, the history of the drug how it was brought onto the market around the 70s or 80s. Now, there was concern in the 1980s over the drug and it was taken off the market because they weren't sure about uh, heart defects that uh, were presenting. But after a lot of research, she actually said it was one of the most researched drugs she had ever come across in any of her maternity health care since then. Those concerns were completely dispelled. So she was saying there is no question over 
the safety of the drug. And I think that is paramount, I suppose, to hammer home. That was something that um, a lot of politicians who have been, you know, looking to take up, you know, the campaign on this and, and, and are trying to push for change. That was one of the key concerns, I think, that a lot of people want to to hear about. And uh, and a lot of those medical experts have said there just is no question um, about the safety and validity of the drug. And how effective is it? Does it work on all women? No, it doesn't work on all women, um, unfortunately, but I think it does work on the majority. And if it doesn't totally make you feel at 100%, it does ease the symptoms. So it just makes life that little bit more bearable if you are suffering from hyperemesis. So um, it's not a silver bullet by any means for all women. Unfortunately, there might be have to be other methods or or combination of things that would have to be tried in in those cases. But for most women um, who suffer from this, it really is their only court call in terms of getting back to any sort of normality throughout pregnancy. So let's talk about the cost, because we said at the start that there has been changes to how it's been reimbursed. How much does Caribbean cost and who foots the bill? Yeah, so before um, the new scheme came in place um, in January of this year, it was um, something that women would have to pay for. So if you were diagnosed with hyperemesis, you would have heard of Caravan um, or your consultant or doctor would have um, said this would be a good idea for you to try. But the cost was, was extortionate. So you're talking, depending on how many tablets you might have to use um, over the course of the day um, or depending on exactly when you started taking the medication, it would cost between 1500 to €3,000 over the course of a woman's pregnancy. So, you know, for different women, obviously it might kick in at a certain point in time. Maybe it's straight away when you're pregnant. Other women might experience hyperemesis further down in their pregnancy. So it depends from woman to woman. But, you know, this cost was extortionate um, for women over the last number of years. So maybe for some people, 3,000 euro, it was worth um, them finding the money um, in some way. But for others, I think the point of the whole scheme being put in place was it's just for, for many women, it, it's just not there. The money isn't there for them to find 3,000 euro. Um, so that's exactly why, why the reimbursement scheme, I think, is so important. And why was the situation like this, Christina? Why wasn't the drug reimbursed in the same way that many drugs are in the system, where if it gets over a certain level of payment being required, that the government foots the bill? Yeah, so it's perhaps a bit of a complicated one, but what it largely comes down to is Caravan is an unlicensed product medication. Um, so this means that the HSE have handled, um, you know, they've had to pretty much put an exceptional case forward for it to be placed onto the um, drugs repayment plan. So the HSE says with unlicensed product, the company has never applied for it to be licensed in in Ireland, although the, the health minister has said personally he would like the company to step forward and start that process because it would make things perhaps a lot easier for him in terms of trying to solve the problems that we're facing at the moment. But I suppose the onus has never really been on the company to to apply for a license because it's always been in use here. And it's people might think, oh, an unlicensed product. But um, at a recent briefing I was at um, in relation to hyperemesis, there was a number of medical experts there 
there's actually countless number of medications for a wide ranging number of illnesses from um, multiple sclerosis to arthritis. Um, you know, renal disease was one that was mentioned. There's a whole array of, of, of products and medicines that are actually unlicensed in Ireland. And that doesn't mean they can't be used here. It just means it's at the discretion of the, the doctor, the GP um, or the consultant, whether they want to use it. But it does make it all that more difficult, I think, for the systems that the government has in place for reimbursement. Yeah, so you mentioned there that there are problems currently with the reimbursement schemes put into place in January of this year. What are those problems? Yeah, so I think a lot of women um, and the campaigners would have really welcomed, I suppose, to step forward in terms of making sure that this was going to be reimbursed. But very soon after the launch of it, it became very clear that there were roadblocks, I think, with the with the new scheme. So the the issues that have arisen um, over the last number of weeks, I'd say the the most pressing one at the moment is that under the the government's new scheme, they have set out that the only way that a woman can get Caravan through prescription is she must get the initial prescription from a consultant obstetrician. So this means that she will have to either present into an emergency room and a lot of you know medical experts are saying at a time when we're trying to actually get people out of emergency departments and to free up our um, health services that the last thing they need is is women coming in and, and seeking a prescription you know the the other aspect that was raised is a lot of women actually don't see a consultant at all um either throughout their entire pregnancy, given that we're trying to encourage uh, more um, midwifery-led care for women. Um, But also a lot of women might not see their consultant obstetrician until their 12-week appointment. So you're not going to be able to get that prescription because your GP is not allowed to give that prescription until the consultant obstetrician has given the initial one. So there's been a lot of head scratching about why this has been put in place. I think GPs have spoken out about it. The pharmacy unions have spoken out about it. You know, the consultant obstetrician at the National Maturity Hospital, uh, Professor Mary Higgins, has said there was little or no consultation with um, any of the professionals that she would deal with the first they heard about this reimbursement scheme and the initial prescription being required was when a form was presented to her within the hospital and she had heard nothing about it when she was asked to sign it. So uh, I think, yes, it it was lauded as as a very good um, scheme and a welcome one and one that was long overdue. But clearly there are um, issues that need to be solved Uh, and fairly quickly because there are women that um, are going through this right now. Are there still women paying for the drug now and others then going without it because these barriers can't be overcome? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's I think uh, there's different stories emerging. There's some women saying that it's taken a while for the reimbursement to come through. So they're having to initially pay perhaps for the medication before they get the reimbursement. Other women um, have found, you know, other ways around it. Um, I believe a, a Cork hospital um, maternity hospital has set up a sort of a an ad hoc way of how they're managing to deal with the prescriptions and getting the form signed. Another thing that was raised by um, medical ex uh, by doctors and and, con- and consultants um, looking after women in pregnancy have 
you know, have just criticized, I think, the whole system in itself. It's a, it's a paper form signed. It needs to be signed. There's no online system. It, it seems kind of thrown together. So, yes, there's been hit and miss, um, you know, testimonies from women in terms of who's paying out, who's actually getting, you know, the benefit from it. But, you know, it does appear that the consultant having to give the initial prescription, despite professors and consultants in the National Paternity Hospital saying this is not necessary, GPs are just as capable of giving this prescription out um, as we are. It seems to be falling on deaf ears in terms of the department and the HSE. Yeah, so the solution seems simple, allow GPs to prescribe it. Do we know why the HSE and the government are against that? The HSE are very much falling back um, on the argument that it's on unlicensed product and un- under the sort of exceptional circumstance that they had to put the, this whole scheme in place um, and, and the reasons why um you know they were able to establish this framework was that there seemed to be some sort of agreement that it had to be a prescription by a consultant that's that's constantly what they come back with despite um obstetricians saying they were never consulted about this they don't know where that advice is coming from they haven't been provided with details about where the hse is is getting that um, what the HSE has described as a clinically approved formula for reimbursing this uh, and getting uh, women access to it. There haven't been any details about where exactly that um, that line of advice is coming from. Um, so, you know, obstetricians are, are really quite flummoxed, I think, um, about why such barriers are put in place for women. Is that why Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, has asked for the drug companies to step forward and for people to lobby the drug companies so that they will ask for this to be licensed to take that headache away? Yeah, I think it was a a strange intervention, one that perhaps is understandable on the side of the government. They seem to be trying to find a workaround by it. But, you know, the argument that you should get women who kind of have enough to be dealing with when they have high premises um, to get in touch with their consultant, um, to ask people to get in touch with, you know, pharma companies and asking unions to lobby on behalf of the women that are going through this. It 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 almost seems like a backward approach, I think, um, and one that does seem a bit desperate at this point in terms of you know, this perhaps should have been done a long time ago. I know campaigners have spoken out about how they actually have tried to get in touch with um, the pharma companies, have tried to get people to um, get moving on that sort of process. Of I myself have asked the HSE, have they reached out to the pharma companies and trying to draw them into this process? Have they filled out the form and given it to them and said that they'll, you know, help them along with this? Um but it doesn't seem like that has has come anywhere over the last number of years. Um, so really, I think at this point, you know, it, it's going to have to come down to the government, I think, to find a work right. Because even if a process was be- was started, um, it was it would take quite a long time and it would really undermine, I think, the whole system that's been put in place this year. Thank you, Christina, for coming in and explaining all that and bringing us through all your really important reporting on it. Thank you. 
This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by Daft Advantage Ads. Looking to sell your property for the best price? Head to www.advantage.daft.ie today for more info on the best way to sell your home in Ireland. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Christina for joining us. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by producers Nikki Ryan and Aoife Barry. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us so we can continue to make more just like this one. There's a couple of things you can do. Head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber or make a one-off donation. You can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a great way to make sure other people will listen and love it as well. Thank you and catch you next time.